Hello, my friends. Welcome to the energy report for, oh my gosh, July 22nd to July 28th. Oh my goodness. The last full week of July. What the literal F. Uh, I have a doozy of a reading for us today. Woo! For the energy of, um, you know, this week. Let us prepare ourselves. Let us brace ourselves because it looks like it's going to be a little bit intense. So the first card that I pulled, I I don't know. I think I'm going to have to just tell you the three cards together first and then go through them because they definitely all work together. Stop delaying, Amy. I'm like delaying this because it's kind of uncomfortable. (laughs) The first card is the devil card. The second is the three of swords. And the third is the death card. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. Um, energetically, I don't know. I do not know how these things are going to play out on the 3d level. I'm assuming that they will play out differently for everybody's individual experience. And, um, yet I'm wondering if any part of this will play out in the collective, but nobody loves turning over any of these three cards. Okay. (laughs) Nobody who's familiar with the tarot is excited to turn over either the devil or the three of swords or the death card, let alone the three of them together in a three card spread. But here we are. So the devil card is a major arcana card. So this is a really big and important theme. This isn't like just like baby little shit to brush under the rug. This is like, this is big. This is big stuff. And what the devil card is talking about. I mean, on a, on a literal surface level, of course, it is referring to the devil. But what does that even really mean? It's referring to the energy dynamics of temptation, of bondage, of addiction, of self-sabotage, of um, victim consciousness, of uh, torment, torture, suffering, you know, it's, it's these themes that we most definitely experience on earth. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to talk. I'm gonna have to talk about the, the collective message of these three cards together first. So I'm going to do it a little bit differently. And then the three of swords, the picture, if you're not familiar with the tarot, the three of swords is a heart with three swords plunged into it. But I should also say that the the heart is like a radiant heart that in, at least in this tarot deck that I use, which is the Moonchild Tarot by Danielle Noel or Danielle Noel, um, the heart is a radiant heart that looks very much like the sacred heart of, um, you know, Christ, the sacred heart of Mother Mary. But it is pierced by these three swords. And the the three of swords is talking about like, ugh, the way that our heart gets hurt and cut and, you know, like our heart breaks, the, literally the way our heart is pierced. And yet it's also talking about the resiliency of the heart that even in the face of pain, so much pain, our heart can be radiant if we choose it. Our heart can, it's almost like if we choose it, the piercings created by the swords become like, uh, oh, I have an image in my head, but it's hard to describe it in words. The piercings become like, like rips in the fabric of the heart that allow that light to shine through. Like the light is already inside of the heart and the heartbreak, the pain, the, the, the swords piercing it allows the light to shine out, to exit from the heart. 
And then the death card is also a major arcana card. So again, this is like, this is big deal shit. And death is death. We know what death is. It is the natural ending. Well, okay. Hmm. Let me choose my words carefully because everybody has very diverse experiences with death. Death can come at a natural time as we perceive it. You know, like when a tree has to fall and it becomes an ecosystem for all kinds of new life. Um, the end of the end, the natural ending of a person's life when they're in old age, the ending of us, the life of a cell, which allows us to regenerate ourselves without becoming cancerous, uh, because, you know, cancer is, is cells that don't die. Um, they don't die at their natural ending point. So they just keep multiplying and growing and multiplying and growing and it creates, you know, malignant growths. So death isn't a bad thing. The three of hearts isn't a bad thing. And neither is the devil card, really. Uh, But these are three very intense cards to come up in a reading. And the overall guidance, immediately I understood it to be that the reminder that one of the biggest manipulating factors that keep keeps us dialed into the or locked into the false matrix and keeps us playing around in this game cycling around over and over and over is the fear of death is the fear of the pain that comes from that ending point sometimes we perceive that death is unnatural i don't know if this is like foreshadowing a big wave of death or something that's what's making me a little bit like, woo, <laughs> what an energy report to have to give. I honestly don't know. I don't know if it's going to play out on that level, that there's going to be a, a big wave of death. But I can say I've had a lot of death in my life over the past year, since last summer. In fact, over the last two years. And just to be very clear, very few of those deaths have been directly related Um, or even like directly, indirectly related to COVID or the vaccines or anything like that. It has been, um, you know, my most recently, my uncle passed away. My grandfather passed away. My great uncle and my great aunt passed away. Um, My, my husband's friend's mother passed away. Um, You know, like uh, my mother-in-law passed away. Like there, there have been a lot of deaths and they aren't around the current running narrative okay or the narrative we've been subjected to for the last couple years so we might be experiencing a wave of death and if that is the case the guidance very strongly is the reminder that if we do not understand that our human heart is resilient as fuck and that our heart is the portal our heart is everything the illumination of our heart is everything. And if we do not remember that or realize that, we are going to be, we are easily manipulated by the fear of death and the fear, specifically the fear of pain. So we we are afraid of our own deaths because we're afraid, you know, not everybody, I'm just saying humans in general, we're afraid of our own deaths because we are afraid of our own ending. We're afraid of our oblivion. We're afraid of what we will find on the other side. Will it be eternal damnation? Will it be nothingness? You know, there, there. it's the unknown. And so we're afraid of it. We're afraid of the death of our loved ones because the grief and the shock can feel so absolutely monumentally suffocating. Um, it, it it's like there are not words to describe, but I know so many of you have lived through the death of somebody very special and important to you, and you know what I'm talking about, and you know that words don't even begin to touch the the intensity of that space of grief and mourning and feeling utterly and totally shattered, and like how can my life even go on? in the absence of this person whom I love. So we are afraid of that. 
we're afraid of our own vulnerability, but as long as we are afraid of it, we and we resist it, as long as we don't understand how not only are we resilient, I mean, that's not even the right word. Like, yes, we are resilient. The heart is resilient. But most importantly, when I come back to that, what I was trying to describe very ineloquently about the three of swords card, where the the swords that pierce the heart are actually the things that allow the light to be birthed and radiated into the world like it's almost like cracking an eggshell like you you can't the egg is full of you know the egg in this case being the heart but it behind the shell it is full of goodness but the goodness cannot emerge and be felt and be experienced be received be transmitted without the crack in the shell and so Actually, not only are we resilient, but our pain and our traumas, the parts of us that are tender and vulnerable, those are our greatest strength and those are necessary for the the completion of our purpose and our magic in this world, which is becoming heart-centered, illuminated, like having illuminated heart star chakras, having our hearts be the literal bridge between heaven and earth. We cannot do that in this realm without the experience of pain, without the experience of grief and loss. And creation cannot happen without death. When death is exalted in its rightful place, it is what clears the way for life to continue for creation to continue as i said if if cells don't die but they continue to replicate and and no, nothing dies like it becomes a growth and then that growth starts to use up the resources that would otherwise be kept I don't know, they would be allocated to a a balanced form of creation, but it hijacks those resources. And fewer resources are, I don't know how to put it, like, I don't want to talk in terms of scarcity, but it's like, it it just siphons the energy of creation away in a direction that is rogue, in a direction that is warped. So death as we know, I mean, I'm not speaking anything new, but that's the guidance that's coming through is to remember whatever we're facing around this reading, death is not the enemy and it is not the end. And I personally can speak to this because just yesterday, at the time that I'm recording this, yesterday was the anniversary of Killian's death. And, you know, it's, it's like, Every year I've been like, how do I, what do I do on this day? Like I, it's not a day just like any other. It's a, it's an important day, but like I, what do I do? Do I celebrate it? Like, how do I commemorate it? You know what I mean? And so every year I just kind of like, I, I navigate it as it comes. And yesterday I was just feeling tender and inward And I was reflecting on my grief and I was thinking like, it's so strange to grieve him. And my grief is so soft now. It's softened. It is not, um, it's not sharp and acute the way that it, it was. It's soft. But even still, it is strange to grieve him and yet to feel him ever present in my life. Like, not just feel the the ongoing ripple effects of, you know, the way he changed me. Yes, that he changed me massively. His life and his death changed me and he continues to give gifts to me through that experience that we've had together. And I, I truly feel like he set me free. He shattered my illusions. And in so doing, he set me free. And I am choosing to set myself free. I'm choosing to accept the gift that the many gifts 
that he has offered me through the relationship that we've had together in this incarnation. But I also feel his on, the ongoing presence of his consciousness. Like I feel that he's not gone. I feel that he is with me. So what am I grieving? While I am grieving things, I'm grieving that I don't, I don't ever get to feel my arms around him. I never again will feel, you know, him sleeping on my chest. I'm grieving that I will never know the sound of his laughter or see his beautiful smile. I will never take him to the beach. I will never watch him running and playing with his friends. There, there is a lot to grieve. And both of those states can exist within me at the same time. But death is not, it's not a failure. He didn't, he didn't fail by dying. No, death is not a failure for any of us, first of all. Death is not a problem to be solved. Death is not anything to be feared in, in the grand scheme of things because our consciousness is ongoing. And we have to remember that because if we, if we don't resolve our issues around death, our trauma, and if we are making choices in our lives to, to avoid the pain that comes with death, I mean, like, obviously, we are, most of us are making choices in life to aim to avoid death. And like, you know, we're trying to stay alive. And I'm not dissuading that. That is my objective. I would like to stay alive until it is my time to go. So I am making calculated choices to avoid unnecessary risk <laughs> in an effort to stay alive. I'm not talking about that, but I, I am talking about the ways that if, if we fear death, if we feel disempowered to it, or we fear endings of anything. Like I'm talking about literal death, but it can also be the end of, you know, a relationship, the end of a chapter in our lives. The um, it could be losing a job. Like there are many ways that death shows up, not only the biological death of our biological avatars. If we go through life in a state of fear and contraction around that, we are so easy to manipulate. And that is like, that's what we're watching happening on earth. And the manipulation is the devil card. It is that which keeps us in bondage. Like as long as we try to avoid our traumas, we try to avoid our pain. We avoid ego death. We avoid facing our ego. We, we avoid shadow work. We avoid deeply exploring our trauma. Um, we, we have to fragment ourselves in order to compartmentalize that trauma and those fears and that shadow. And we are walking around as like not wholly integrated aspects of ourselves. And then we become, we risk becoming avatars for the, um, you know, the false matrix, the, the, like I said in my, my podcast episode from a couple days ago, we become Agent Smiths ourselves. Not that we are Agent Smith, but Agent Smith channels through us to keep us locked into the matrix. We, we can become avatars for the Christ light frequency and ascended consciousness frequencies, or we can be avatars for lower dimensional manipulative consciousness that is in a state of separation from source. And it, basically, I mean, that is the whole program behind the beings that are in a state of separation from source is the fear of death, the desire to become immortal, to, to have control over everything. And we have to heal this within ourselves in order to heal this within this holographic simulation, um, this, you know, this place that we call earth, we have to heal it within ourselves. We have to learn how to walk with the pain that we have experienced. We have to learn how to walk with the fact of our vulnerability, that our avatars are not designed to live forever. I do believe that they're designed to live much longer than we have been programmed to 
perceive and that, you know, we're, we're obviously dealing with a constant bombarding onslaught of toxins and low frequency vibrations at like a bajillion levels. But I don't believe that our physical avatars are designed to live forever, to be immortal. Our souls are immortal. Our consciousness is immortal, but our physical avatars are not immortal. And we have to make fucking peace with that. We have to make peace with our vulnerability. I mean, we've seen what happened with COVID triggering, you know, so many individual fears and collective fears around our vulnerability to um, viruses and to illness. But, but if we are operating from that state of fear, we've seen we're so easily manipulated. So as I said, I don't know what this... I don't know what this energy report is symbolizing. I don't know if it's going to play out as like a big wave of death on the physical plane or if it's just an invitation to work with these energies and and like the guidance that like the time has come now we really 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 have to make our peace with this. Like truly make our peace. You cannot con- continue on fearing death fearing the death of yourself or the death of your loved ones. And I personally have been working on this last, like for, for about a year, ever since last August, I had a dream that myself, my dad and my, and, and Kieran and William, we all died in a car accident. It was such a vivid dream. And that dream was what really enabled me to understand this all as a hologram. And it's what catalyzed me to start doing the work at like releasing my attachment to the fears I have around my, my children's safety and well-being. And of course, like I still, you know, my highest priority is their safety and well-being, but I no longer feel the level of fear that I had around their deaths. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how this is all going to play out, but I know that's what the guidance is. So again, to reiterate, the devil, is a, this is a huge theme. This is a major arcana theme. Like we cannot skip over this, okay? We need to be cognizant of the ways that the things that we hold in our blind spot, the ways that we feel that we are vulnerable and we are afraid and we feel disempowered and diminished, we need to make our fucking peace with that so that it is not something that the devil energy, archon energy, demonic energy, lower frequency, um, lower dimensional energy. It's not fuel that it can use to manipulate us anymore. We need to bring ourselves out of bondage. We need to really closely look at our relationship with um, numbing processes, substance abuse, um, you know, food abuse, shopping abuse, all the ways that we try to distract ourselves from really being present with our drama and our trauma. The third of swords is reminding us that fucking we're so resilient. Our hearts are so beautiful. Like one of the images I got in the past when I was having a heartbreak, it was so painful. Oh my God. And I saw my heart breaking open to reveal like ruby lava flowing out of it and I realized that that lava is like the gold like that the heart I realized in that moment with that image that came through that heartbreaks don't diminish me it reveals the richness in my heart I can fucking handle it you guys you can handle it we can handle it sometimes we need support we need to find healers or therapists or um, friends or counselors whatever to support us and walk with us alongside the you know the transmutation of our pain but we can handle it and the death card is like, this is, this is big. We have to reconcile our fear and our vulnerability and the death process. We have to. If this is going to be a big wave of death, this might have been the one that I was tapping into last year. Um, but like we're going to, we are being called on to hold very sacred space and not like even inwardly not view death as a tragedy. 
even though the circumstances from the earth's eye view may look very tragic, we do have to hold a frequency that exalts death and holds reverence for death that it is important. It is not a failure. It is not a problem to be solved. It is, it's a good thing. It just, it hurts to grieve and it's scary when it's our turn, but it is not a bad thing. We have to resolve and reconcile all of these things. I have a feeling we're all going to be doing very deep shadow work on behalf of the collective and just know this energy report is going on way longer (laughs) than I wanted it to, but just know that doing shadow work on behalf of the collective feels like being triggered inside of yourself and being really present with your triggers. The the antidote to all of this is allowing ourselves to be so deeply present in the somatic and emotional experience of life through all of its spectrums from like absolute ecstatic joy to like, you know, contentment to like low-key boredom to pessimism to anger to hopelessness to shame fear whatever you know that whole spectrum um pain grief all those things the 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 way out is to be so deeply present that you actually end up like having a psychedelic trip like you can get so present in your life that it induces a dmt release from your pineal gland and in your body i mean your pineal gland isn't the only place that dmt is manufactured you just go into it so deeply that you basically trip out on it and you alchemize it like your pupils dilate and you're like you're so yeah you're like so open and expanded by the experience of being alive in all the ways that it feels Woof! big energy report (laughs) we've got this fam we can do this okay so A couple of days have passed since I recorded that first part. Usually I record the energy report literally on the day of. I don't record it in advance, but this week I had to record it in advance for reasons that, you know, aren't necessary for the story to make sense. But it's really interesting because it's just interesting that I did need to record it in advance this week because this is such a heavy hitting message and it's so... Like this energy report, this, um, this week's medicine is deep, 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 deep medicine that we need to hear and heed. And in the, um, you know, the unfolding of the last two days, I also experienced a deeper unfolding of the message. So I apologize for this energy report being longer than usual, but, you know, hopefully you're able to glean what you need out of it. So yesterday, um, I became aware I was really struck with the, the medicine and the guidance of this, these three cards, not only being around physical death, but being around ego death as the necessary step that we are being required to take now. Um, An ego death is so fucking painful and intense. And you better believe that every one of us is like heavily resisting our ego death right now. As you listen to these words, there are parts in your blind spot, in your subconscious and your unconscious are parts of your psyche that are like white knuckling and hard gripping to preserve its sense of reality to keep itself alive as it were but it's not necessarily the physical body I mean they go hand in hand but I'm really talking about the construct the identity construct that we carry about ourselves Here's the thing. You're not who you think you are. The person that you believe that you are, the identity that you believe that is you, is a total illusory fabrication. And, you know, 
I don't know how this lands for, for you as you hear it. I don't know if it triggers a sense of like, fuck you, Amy, you don't know me. Or uh, if it triggers a sense of like, well, what do you mean I'm not me? Like, how, what am I? Who can I? Who can I be if I'm not me? Or maybe it triggers a sense of like, yeah, okay, I get it. Um, and you get it on a cerebral cognitive level, but not on like a deep, deep, like soul surrender level. And I just want you to know that although I've been through like ooh, intense ego death, um, layers of intense ego death, I still identify as Amy. My ego is not all the way dead. It is like, or I don't know. I mean, like, I truly believe that we do not have to kill the ego. I believe that, that is totally misleading and it causes a lot of damage. So even the wording that I'm using, like, please, please just use your discernment and take a grain, take it with a grain of salt and understand that I'm so limited by my understanding of the English language. But essentially what I'm saying is that I continue to entertain and identify with layers of illusion about myself, just as everybody does, just as we all do. Uh, so I am not being sanctimonious at all. Like when this struck me yesterday, I, this was like, whoa, this is shit. I need to, I need to apply the shit that I need to hear and receive and understand. Um, but I'll tell you what, when I say that Killian set me free, it's because his death completely shattered my sense of self, like shattered it into shards and fragments so tiny that it felt that I would never reassemble myself. I felt like I had no boundary. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what life on earth was. I didn't, it caused me to question everything. And I honestly believe the only thing that I didn't question, the the only two things were my connection to my oldest son, who was 11 at the time, and my connection to Killian. I didn't feel my connection to my parents. I didn't feel my connection to my friends. Uh, sometimes I felt my connection to Alex. Sometimes I didn't. I didn't feel my connection to any aspect of my past, uh, of my career path, of any of my desires. I'm talking about the stage when I was, you know, like immediately following his death in the, in the you know, probably like first three to six months following his death. I felt like a walking ghost. I didn't even know who I was or what life was. I don't want to take too long to describe it. I just want to drive home the point that that was the biggest ego death that I've ever experienced. And it was so fucking painful and intense so intense and yet it set me free because none of those things were true now eventually I connected back to my love with my parents but it was really interesting that that experience really dislodged the dysfunctional dynamics, kind of the codependence I had with my parents where I still felt like I needed their validation and their approval in order for me to really be fully expressed as who I am. It also dislodged my codependence on any of my friends and their perspectives, you know, and I still had to like actively choose to apply that moving forward. It wasn't like in one instant, all of my illusion-based problems were gone but it it just completely yeah dislodged is the right word dislodged so many aspects of myself that were limited by the perception that I had of who I was and the bondage I felt to relationships in my life, relationship dynamics, um, you know, work dynamics, societal constructs, so many things. But it came at the horrendous, in, horrendously intense price of grief and, you know, and a, a death of somebody that I love so much that I can never properly articulate it. 
and yet, like, I, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say this as though, like, he had to die for, for me. Like, it's just not like that. You know what I mean? But, but I'm just saying that that price was worth it. Like, I, first of all, learned that I can live through anything. If I can live through the death of my newborn and the searing pain that ensued and stayed for so long, I can live through anything. But I also, so I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't fear life. It's not that I don't have fears, but I do not operate from a state of fearing what might happen. I don't future trip very often. And when I do, I catch myself pretty quickly. I'm able to come back to the present because of everything I experienced with Killian. Um, But also it set me free because I, I just saw that the construct I carried around myself was false. And although I'm acknowledging that I still have, like I can talk about this and understand it myself right now on a cerebral level, and you better believe that when the next layer of ego dissolution comes for me or ego death, I'm, it's going to be painful, even though I know how this works now. But I... And I still carry like illusory ego constructs. And I might always do so. I don't know. I honestly don't know how it's going to go for me. But the point is that I understand now, like truly, like, yeah, I know I have things in my blind spot that I'm holding on to because I think that's what makes me me. And like those things aren't even real. They're a total fabrication of my imagination based on my perceptions, based on my circumstances and my experiences. And, and it's, it's a very, I mean, there's a reason that people who have, you know, intense psychotropic, hallucinogenic, whatever, um, experiences, drug experiences, or who like have near-death experiences, severe accidents, like people who have big shocks in their lives. Um, there's a reason that it's so painful and there's a reason that they sometimes like kind of, you know, lose their grip on reality. It's because you suddenly realize that reality isn't even real and it's a fucking, you know, head trip. It really, really is. And it struck me yesterday that this is really what we are being so that this this might be um, a premonition or like a preparation would be a better word for a wave of physical death. And it might be preparation for a wave of next level, level ego death and dissolution. And again, I don't want to demonize the ego because I just don't believe in that. If you want to know my beliefs, I have a um, low cost workshop in my store about the human ego from a spiritual perspective and it's really good so I highly recommend it um but I don't believe that the ego is our enemy or that we have to kill it but I do know that it is an illusory construct and that we are required to expand our consciousness beyond it to transcend it essentially and what that feels like is death it's not true death It is the death of illusions that we hold around ourselves. The ego doesn't die. The ego just releases its bullshit. It just releases its illusions. But it, it, the ego is what is afraid of dying. It's so afraid of dying. It's so afraid to have its worst. Yeah. It's afraid that its worst fear will be confirmed and the wor- its worst fear is that it was never real to begin with. And that is true. Our poor, beautiful, tender ego is like, I'm not real. Ah, <laughs> you know, it's like the ultimate existential nightmare. Anyhow, we are really being, whether it involves physical death or not, either way, I feel like this is preparation for a large wave of ego death. And 
it is so painful. And yet we are, the love trumps the pain. The love trumps the pain. When we just surrender to our ability to handle it all and to be centered in our hearts, the love trumps the pain. It is meaning that like when you get to the, when you get to the bottom of the well, you're sinking down, 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 down into like a state of grief or darkness or depression or, you know, whatever accompanies an experience like ego death all the way down to the bottom. You're sinking like a stone to your rock bottom and you're not just rock bottom, but you're rock bottom at the bottom of a well and you are, you know, your ego is struggling for air and you, you, your ego knows it's dying and you're, you know, you're suffocating and your lungs are going to explode. Your, your <laughs> figurative lungs. Um, and you get there and you just stop fighting and you just surrender to the stillness. This is, this is something my friend Christina and I talked about once. It's like, at the bottom of the well, there is a question. And the question is, but do you still feel love? And the answer, if you choose it, is yes. And it's not love in, in the piddly little watered down version that we're fed through our, you know, um, our entertainment media and our programming and our like super traumatized, dysfunctional relationship dynamics. It is a love that is so sublime. I don't even have words for it. It's, it's everything. It's, it's blindingly brilliant. And if you choose that, if you choose to acknowledge that you still feel it, it is still there, even in your darkest moment, the darkness is instantly lit up, I guess, illuminated by that, that brilliance, that pure, potent love light. And if you haven't experienced anything like this, it's possible that all these words just sound like, you know, drivel or kind of like positive, like pukey kind of puke in your mouth new age spiritual platitudes but if you have experienced anything like what i'm talking about you know what's up if you know you know basically and if you don't know yet you will know because it's coming for all of us at some point in our lives but i feel like the guidance for this week is that it's it's coming so you know Let's, let's cooperate with it. Rather than fighting it, let's surrender. We don't need to buy into our ego illusions. In fact, we cannot fulfill our missions and be all that we came here to be <clears throat> in the presence of those illusions. When we believe those illusions, we are so limited and we are subject to the devil card to temptation and bondage, sabotage, self-sabotage. Our ego, believing in our ego is what keeps us kind of dialed into the baser nature and the unresolved tension between the dualities of good and evil. When we no longer buy into our ego, we understand the unification and we bring resolution to that duality within ourselves. And we are thus set free. And when we set ourselves free, we do our incredibly important part to setting the collective and this entire holographic simulation construct free. Okay. 
I'm really going to stop here. Um, let me see if a little light language transmission wants to come through. I don't actually feel one today, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it there, but guess what? I have something really exciting to share with you all. Really exciting. Okay. So I have been feeling lately and I alluded to it at the end of my last podcast episode. I have been feeling for the last little while this like there's something off about the way that I'm working. I I just need to be a channel. I just need to be a channel. And I know I need to reach a lot of people. I need to make things very accessible um, while at the same time, though, really honoring my time and the amount of energy it takes to be a channel and to like, you know, construct my life curate my life around the prioritization of being a channel and being able to create all of this content and um, share the transmissions that come through, right? So it's like a happy medium, not devaluing myself and my contribution, but also being like, ah, I am, I can't, I can't, uh, I, I have to work in a different way. <laughs> I, I can't depend on high ticket sales. Some things that I create have to be high ticket because of the nature of them, because the amount of energy that I pour into them, the amount of myself, my time, my, like I put so much into the things that I create. Um, but some, some things, majority of things need to be more accessible. And therefore it is the executive decision of myself and my goddess, business support woman, Mari, who is like instrumental, totally instrumental to all of this. Uh, what's up priestess? I love you. Um, it is our executive decision to have revived the Patreon and I am, I could not be more excited. So if you've been listening to my podcast for about a year, you'll know that around a year ago, I, I started a Patreon because I knew it was a great idea, but Essentially, like I just didn't have the infrastructure in place to be able to build the Patreon. It like it's a great idea in theory, but it also takes a lot of work, and so it just couldn't live at the time, um, and I had to shelve it. But its time has finally come, and I am so excited. There are multiple tiers at which you can access the Patreon. If you love my podcast, it would mean so much to me if you become a Patreon um, member because I, you know, I'm really committed. I've thought about running ads and like, I just don't want to do it. I love this podcast. I want to leave it clean and clear. I want it be, to be something that you can just come in and listen to and you don't have to skip through any part of it except maybe my rambles at the beginning or end. But, um, you know, I, I really, it, it means a lot to me to offer this as an act of love and service to everyone who is drawn to the, explore the topic of spiritual awakening to have this as a free resource that, again, I put a lot of myself into this. And I've said before, it is not free for me to create. I pay to create this free offering. And yet I want it to be that way. I want it to be free. So if you love what I do and you, you know, you're just like, Amy, I love you, then please come join the Patreon, the, the, tiers of membership start at five dollars so it's like you know and oh and the reason I'm saying this is because my weekly energy reports are now going to go behind the five dollar tier five dollar a month tier as well as channeled messages slash rituals or rituals for the new moons and full moons are going to be behind the patreon tier the five dollar patreon tier plus surprise bonus, um, podcast episodes. So it would mean a lot to me. There are higher tiers. If you're into other things, they have like dope, dope offerings behind them. And the reason that I'm going with Patreon, even though, you know, we know it's not the ideal, whatever, none of the fucking social media platforms are 
none of them are clean, okay? Maybe Rockfin only. I'm on Rockfin. It's just taking me, it's taking us time. We got to build strategically. Um, but I will probably be putting the, a lot of this content on Rockfin as well. But Patreon, the nice thing is that you can join for one month, consume as much content at that tier as you can possibly digest, and then you can cancel your membership if you want. You know, there's no commitment. It's not like you have to pay up front for a whole year. Um, it's just, it's your responsibility to cancel your, your membership, but there is a lot of freedom for everyone. And, uh, it also just like, it's a home for, I get so many transmissions, you guys. And like, I've been trying to turn them into courses and masterclasses, but I've just realized like, I just need somewhere to dump all of my transmissions and channelings. I need a home for it to live. I can't cock block myself by trying to like package it up into a course and, you know, wait for the graphics to be created and then do a whole marketing thing around it. It just feels so slow and so long. And like, essentially what I want to do is just like, I get the transmission. I kind of just want to like go blow my load and <laughs> share it with all of you. Like in the moment when it comes through is when it's alive for me and I'm so excited and I'm like, I, it's my fucking Dharma in this life to share those transmissions and I, I just, I need to take out that interim step of trying to package them up into courses or masterclasses or whatever. I'll still have masterclasses and stuff and they are going to live in the Patreon as well as being available a la carte, if you will. If you don't want to join a Patreon and you just want to buy them one off as they come through. But this feels really good to me. It just like, I don't know, it, it creates, as I said, a home where, you know, if you join at a certain level, I can't remember what level it is, but you just will get access to all of my transmissions as they come through in real time. And I am telling you, I get a lot of transmissions. <clears throat> if you liked my last two podcast episodes, which I feel like a lot of people did because a lot of people have reached out to tell me about it, then you might want to... Um, <laughs> you might want to join... Uh, Patreon, because those are the kind of thoughts that I have. Those are the kind of transmissions I get, and that's where they're going to live from now on. Anyhow, that's it. This is really long. This is like a whole entire hour, but this is big medicine. Major Arcana, Major Arcana sandwich around the Three of Swords. So, you know, we do not need to be afraid of the pain of death and heartbreak and grief and transformation. If we are afraid of it, then we will be held in bondage, held in illusion, easily manipulated. We're better than that. We are, we are stronger than that is what I mean. We are more powerful. We don't need to exist at that frequency anymore. Okay, my beautiful friends, thank you so much for listening. This is the last weekly energy report to come out on the podcast henceforth they will live on patreon at the five dollar a month tier the lowest tier if you love these energy reports you can find them there the monthly ones will still be going out for free on youtube i love you so much and i will catch you on tuesday on the next episode